0: All right, I don't know about you. I was very tempted to just lay down on the carpets for the rest of the time, so that might happen still. We don't know what's gonna happen in the room today. But uh, it, you know, when the presence of God comes that that like heavy glory and you're just drinking deeply, you're like, face down, that's where we're going, face down. So we're gonna, we're gonna be doing a different kind of face down and that's face down in the word of God today. All right, ready? So go ahead and open scripture. I'm preaching today a sermon called Disciples Who Draw Near. We finished our series in Romans chapter 8. Pretty, pretty hefty theological discussion. And so I'm kind of switching gears a little bit and having something that, that's a bit more pastoral, a bit more leading us into rich relationship with, G, with Jesus himself. You know, we can use that life in the spirit that we've been talking about from Romans 8 and really catapult us into a rich close relationship with jesus i've been reading um a book by my old revival group pastor in redding california chris cruz and he wrote a book all about the the practice what is it the practice of hold on hold please i opened it up because i i was like what's it called again but um hold 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 here we are the practice of being with jesus a daily path into god's presence and if you're interested in your, uh, an enriching relationship with Jesus, he gives a few chapters that summarize what that's all about, and then there's a daily guide. And so if you're like, I, I open up the Word, but I don't quite know where to go, this would be a great guide for you. I've been enjoying it for myself because there's, there's things that no matter where you're at in your walk, you're taking time pausing in God's presence for a couple minutes. You're taking time to... Um, to look at different areas of the Gospels and, and those different aspects of knowing Jesus himself. So I'd really recommend that as well. Um, let's, let's dive into today's message. The problem that I'm seeing in the world around us, one of the greatest temptations of our, of our time is being so caught up in busyness and trying to figure out what we are doing what we are doing is what we are thinking about all the time, my checklist, the things that I've got to get done, the people that I need to get back to, how I need to advance my career, how all these different aspects of life, we get buckled under this pressure of doing, and in that place of doing, we, we don't dwell on who we are becoming, we get so caught up in the grind of life, of what needs to get done, and, and who we need to get back to, and who we need to see, and then by 8 p.m., we're just tired, and our brain is fried, and we just have maybe an hour or two to turn on Netflix, and we're like, I just, need, I just need a little time to just veg and decompress. Can anyone relate to that? And just being in this city alone, you know, you feel like you've conquered something just driving to Pasadena in the afternoon. So, you know, those, those individuals in the country don't know what it's like. They just don't get it. They don't get the weight of traffic that we have to sit through. But the culture that we live in wants to consume your time. And unless we are extremely intentional, we will get pulled in every direction by temporary needs and wants and problems and personalities, and we will neglect our eternal investments. And the only way to get out of that is to intentionally change our priorities. Did you know that the deepest cravings of your soul is to one, know God and his love, but secondly, to live a life of becoming like Jesus? That's actually what you are craving in your deepest parts. And it's the only thing that will really satisfy you. And when we choose Jesus for salvation... We aren't just choosing Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. We are choosing Jesus's life as our very own. Let's read together in first Corinthians chapter six, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Did you know that you are not your own when you choose to give your life to Jesus? You are no longer your own. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big surrender, I'd say. And as I've been, I've been living in LA for eight years now, and the past, I'd say year and a half, two years, um, I, I would say that I, I'm a little better now, but for about <laughs> two years ago, I was, let's be honest, I was irritated with LA, I was irritated. Because it felt like every place I was going, everyone was so self-consumed, selfish, all about themselves. They couldn't even get outside of their own selves to be able to be present with the person in front of them. And, And I know that that's not entirely true, but you know when you can feel it in the air and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so annoying. And I'm not talking about Evergreen. Evergreen family, you are free from that. In the name of Jesus, <laughs> let it be. But I had a real deep frustration. And I was like, God, is this a holy conviction? Is, are you giving me something so that I know like this holy frustration of, of what's going on like swirling around us? Because there is something in the air that we have to combat when it comes to that, that selfishness. But what I believe is the answer to that is this life is not my own. When we have given our lives to Jesus, this life is no longer my own. It's a kingdom shift rather than an interaction where you're like, what can I get out of this? I'm going to go to this place. What can I get out of this? I'm going to go to this destination. What can I get out of this? Where you're so consumed with yourself in the kingdom. When your mind is renewed, you're thinking, how can the kingdom benefit from this? How can God benefit from this? How can I act selflessly? How can I be present with the person right in front of me? How can I be a source of compassion and love rather than someone that is sucking and taking life in this moment? It's a shift from saying, this life is not my own. And though there are times, you know, self-promotion is a whole other discussion, but there are times to be present and to, to go to mixers and to go to places where you are actually present with the Lord and and giving your very best and showing who you are and what you do, but there's still a shift from something that is moving from all about you to all about Jesus. And that's what we're after. That's what I've been trying to massage into us the past year and a half, because we've got to be a people of the upside down kingdom, where though the land might look a certain way and though they might act a certain way, we don't have to act like that. We are those that are kingdom people. We're kingdom kids. And so we get to go into situations full of compassion, full of the love of God, full of, of looking right in front of you at the person that you're meeting at a party. And you're not just trying to get, you're trying to give. You're trying to give freely because we've been freely given. And so if you're looking for a cure in your life or freedom in your life from any number of areas of feeling stuck, whether you feel out of control, whether you feel anxious or stressed, whether you feel, if you feel shame or stuck in any kind of, of pattern or cycle of self-destructive behavior, this, this place of wanting to know your, your, your purpose walking this planet, the only real lasting cure comes from being a disciple of Jesus. It's the only cure. And if that's true, then we really need to understand what it means to be his disciples, but also how to be his disciples. So let's start. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Let's read from Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. This is the Great Commission. Jesus came to his followers and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. And then we have in Acts eleven twenty-five through twenty-six. This is the first missionary journey. We went through this a few months ago, but um, let's read together Acts eleven twenty-five. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. They were needing Saul to be a teacher at this time. Teach the people they're they're desperately in need of the truth. So he's looking for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So some people look at the word Christian, they're like, it's not even in Scripture. Right here it is. Right there, there it is. They're called Christians. We talked about that last week. Um, it's, it's those who are little Christ, little anointed ones that go into all the world and preach the gospel and bring freedom for the captives and bring the kingdom of God, the good news, the message of Jesus himself. And so in Christian culture, discipleship is, is thrown around a lot, this, this term of discipleship. I think there's some confusion of what discipleship is. And we know that it's important that oh, this church is really good at discipleship, brother, they're really good at making disciples. I'm like, that's great. What does it look like? Tell me about that. Well, this, they have a six-week course for new believers. And I'm like, that's awesome. Six weeks goes real fast. That's a, that's a quick discipleship course. So are, are they like, you know, checklist? They, they're now disciples because they've done the course. It could be. I think that's really helpful to have something like that. But what does it actually mean to be a disciple? Ladies... We're going to do a princess discipleship class, and we're going to open up to Proverbs 31. Be a Proverbs 31 woman. You're going to know how to clean a household, be a lady of wisdom, discipleship. Has anyone been to that? Some of you have. You have. We don't offer the princess discipleship class yet. That is a uh, summer course that you can sign up through Church Center. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right. Discipleship. Is it one-on-one? Is it Jesus, one with 12? He was with one with three sometimes. Is it one with the 70? What does discipleship look like? To really get it, we have to look a little past what we see with the model of Jesus and his twelve. Disciples existed before the Gospels. If you remember, John the Baptist had disciples. There were Jewish rabbis that had disciples. There were philosophers that had disciples, and each had those that were trained under them. Uh, The definition of what a disciple is comes from a Latin origin, and it means pupil, apprentice, and learner. But really, it's more than that. It's one that learns through intentional observation and inquiry. That means you are intentionally watching and asking great questions. That's what it means to be a learner of someone that you're under. Disciple in its simplest form is someone who is learning to embody the way of life of the ones that they are following. Their teacher or mentor brings clarity to life and defines it and helps the disciple follow and embody this lifestyle in their thought, their philosophy, their worldview, and their way of life. So, as a disciple of Jesus, he becomes our teacher and our Lord. And he teaches us the way of life, the ways of the kingdom. And he embodies the very reality of God, the reality of the Father. And we are those who observe, and we inquire, and we learn through relationship with him as apprentices. And as we learn as students... How to live in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is actually where we're meant to thrive. The realm of God in us and through us into the earth. It's living in the Spirit of God. He is our very greenhouse. There's a reason we use that term, greenhouse. It's, it's a safe covering, where no matter what the land looks like around us, it might be desertous, it might be uh, full of turmoil, but we have a covering that is safe where we can grow. A covering where the kingdom is alive within us, where we can bear forth fruit in every season of life. And in the kingdom of God, it's like the, the Garden of Eden, where they were meant to bring the garden and extend it with their delegated authority. So it is in our lives with the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom, that we've been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we start to step out and extend the borderlines of the kingdom of God into all the earth. This, This is what God is doing in us and through us where that covering of the kingdom continues to be extended through his people. Let's read now in Colossians 1, 13 through 14. For he, Jesus, has rescued us and has drawn us to himself from the dominion of darkness, that's the covering or the kingdom of darkness, and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption because of his sacrifice, resulting in the forgiveness of sins and the cancellation of sins penalty. And so as a disciple, you are free from the dominion of the kingdom of darkness, and we are brought into the kingdom of Jesus himself. This is your new true self in him. Chris Cruz writes... Jesus announces God is rescuing you from the human you were never meant to be in order to become the human he dreamed you to be. And this is salvation. Should we read that again? Jesus announces that God is rescuing you from the human you were never meant to be in order to become the human he first dreamed you to be. And this is salvation. The Christian life isn't meant to be just a continuous managing your own fractured behavior. It's it's meant to be about truly being transformed and living in Christ, alive in him, living with a rich intimacy as a follower of Jesus. And through trusting him every single day, he brings that power and the reality of the cross, the power of the cross, where blood poured out on your behalf, And he's bringing the benefits of the cross into your life simply by abiding with the one who bled and died and rose again. All of those benefits infused with power into your life for the healing and embodiment of your true transformation. And so when we choose Jesus as a disciple, we are choosing to trust in him and we receive his very life and choose to embody His way and being His way and His being in the world, and it's a constant invitation to engage in intimate relationship with Him. Intimacy. There's uh, we haven't we haven't really preached on these forms of intimacy for a little while, but this faith is all about rich relationship with the One that lived up, loved us first. It is all about intimacy with our creator, knowing him. Even the word intimacy um, is into me, you see. He sees, he knows, he understands, he has rich compassion. He knows right where you're at. He knows your past, your present. He knows what's been done to you. He he knows the decisions you've made and he, he, he looks into you. And we talked about it last week. The father looks at you with the eyes of love, of holiness, and beauty. And he's not there just condemning you and judging you. He's actually bringing you into an invitation of fixing your gaze each and every day. It's intimacy with the living God. And discipleship is so much more than just good theology. Discipleship is so much more than just being right. How much of our Christian faith has just been become about being right. Yeah. We love being right. And it's like, oh, I like that preacher, but these different areas, horrible theology. Yeah. We love being right. We're in such this critical way of thinking. But discipleship is so much more than just being right and having perfect theology. It's more than just following the rules of righteous living. Discipleship is a journey of intimacy with Jesus himself. I want to just talk for a moment about my own journey with with intimacy with God. Um, I I grew up as a believer. My my parents found Jesus right before I was born. I've talked about this a number of times. Where God audibly spoke to my mom as she was going to take her own life. She was like, "My life is is it's better that my life is done and that that her my dad that he would be able to live and that my brother would be able to live." But they don't need this weight, this depression that I hold, this pit that I live in. I don't want it to affect them. So she was going to take her life one day, and the Lord audibly spoke to her and said, Kathy, what you're looking for, the way out of this pit is only through me. I am the only one that can free you from this depression and this pit. If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. And there's something about that that all of us need to hear where like whatever place we feel hopeless or in a pit, the Lord will extend his hand. Where you're at the end of your rope, he says, good, reach out and grab me. Reach out and grab me. And he will bring you out of the pit. And shortly after that time, my, my parents both found Jesus and I, I was uh, born the next year. So I was raised in this family where they knew what it, was lo- what it was like without Jesus. And then they knew what it was like to know Jesus and how it changes everything and how, it, how in a marriage that changes everything because you're making the same decisions based off of your heavenly worldview. How do people even live in a marriage when they're in different kingdoms? But when you're in the kingdom of light, you can use wisdom and you can connect to God together and seek him on how to raise your kids and how to deal with finances It changes everything. There's a reason that Paul says be equally yoked. I'm not preaching on that today, but marriage advice. And so I was born into a family that was passionate about missions, passionate about bringing the good news to the ends of the earth. And from a young age, I found Jesus. By seven, I was baptized. Eight years old, I had an encounter with God where he pulled me from my gut to the front. And I gave my life and said, whatever it looks like, God, I'll go to the ends of the earth for you, Jesus, where the presence of God welled up and crashed down upon me, and I've never been the same. I've never questioned that I would do anything else but be a missionary of of the, the goodness of Jesus. And so rather than the bush somewhere, he took me to this jungle, and here we are today, and I have all you wild ones that I have to take care of. But on my journey of knowing God and being in Wesleyan school, I went to a Southern Baptist youth group for a while. I was uh, Christian Missionary Alliance Church, like all these different religious settings. I I was in the word of God. I knew God. I loved him. I experienced some things. But we were hungry by the time I was 10, 11, 12. And so my mom and I, and sometimes my dad when he could, we would drive, where's revival happening in North Carolina? Where is it happening? We didn't have the internet back then. And so, you know, you just phone a friend. I don't know. Where is it happening? And we would go on the weekends someday, sometimes all day long on a Saturday um, to this church. I remember they had um, this youth band on Saturday nights called Jam for the Lamb. And um, when we start a youth group band, uh, that's a strong contender for a name, Jam for the Lamb. It didn't matter. You know, when the Holy Spirit's there and is moving, there's nothing like it. You can spend hours and hours and hours in the presence of God. And it was a little old school. You know, they, had t- they literally had tape on the carpet and you'd come and stand there and the man of God would come and whoo, lay hands on you. And I, I mean, this is weird for you or not. I'm 12 years old and just feeling the power of God move through me, shaking, falling to the floor, that's where I was first um, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it changes you. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a, a contagious movement of the Spirit in your life, where you experience His power and His nearness. Yeah. And even if that's a little old school, God will still use it, right? Yeah. He will still use it. And um, from that place, I had these experiences of intimacy with God, I'd meet with him on the floor, on the carpets. Sometimes I wish we had carpet in here, just laid out. Everyone just laid out. But um, I would experience God in these different ways. Um, But then over time through high school and everything, I kind of got a little watered down. I still love the Lord. A little watered down. I went off to ministry school. And very quickly, the Bible became a textbook where I was just reading. And there was not the connection to my heart. It was, it was all going right here in my head, yeah. but I was not making the connection with my heart. And so I had a lot of information coming in, well-intentioned, but it became dry. And I remember thinking, is this, is this it? Is this it? I can't, I, I can't experience more of God. It's just, it's, it's just the knowledge of his, of his word. And there, there was something that just didn't feel right. And... Um, when I was a, a junior in college, I was going to this really trendy Presbyterian church in Chicago. They had like the percussion. It actually was really cool. It was like they had these percussion instruments. He like made his own like rattles out of gourds and like, and then they had like professional singer and it, it was, it was a vibe. But right there in the middle of worship happening, right in the middle of a Presbyterian church, the Holy Spirit gave me a little, little Tap. A little reminder. He's like, you wanna experience my presence? Wow. And in the middle of this instrumental worship, I just started getting flooded with, with the presence of God. And um, the Spirit started moving through me, speaking through me again, and it just opened up something within me. All the areas that had, had grown a little, uh, a little hard and calloused, it was like that, that river started moving through those areas. and I was like, oh my gosh, there you are again. There you are again. And when the spirit of God moves in you in that way, it, there's no going back again. It's like, I've got to have that. I've got to have more. I've got to have community like that. I've got to have people that burn with me. And so I started going to conferences. I remember I went to um, a conference with Chris Valatin and Patricia King. I don't know if those names mean anything to you, but we drove like seven hours um, to this conference, and we were just hungry to encounter God. I'm like, "Where's God moving? I want to be there. Let's go!" And so we would go to this conference, and in the middle of worship, I remember experiencing like that that electricity of the Spirit. And I remember like you're just, you're just trying to encounter the invisible God in His in His power. And I remember I had my my hands in worship, and uh, this probably will sound weird for a few of you, but that's all right. Uh, just hands raised. I remember I was like, oh, my gosh, I am not moving my arm like this. And it started, like, moving in, like, a worshipful motion. And I'm like, this is so cool. God, you're moving. You know, there's all sorts of ways that God can move in our lives. And sometimes those unusual things, you're like, I'm, I, I'm not doing this. Like, th- this is, like... The Holy Spirit's just doing his thing in the room. And even if they're like simple things, you're like, this is the invisible God and this is Jesus showing an attribute of his very character in my life. And it's like you become that much more hungry for the invisible things of God and the manifestations of the Spirit. And so what those things do, the fruit of the movements of the Spirit in your life should be deeper intimacy with Jesus. That's what it should be. Not just an intrigue, not just that was cool, I saw another miracle, that was cool, I had another goosebump. Those things should bring you into richer intimacy with Jesus because they're all an invitation to know Him, to know the invisible God. He's revealing aspects of His nature. Aspects of his face. Every time a new miracle happens, every time someone is healed, every time you see someone set free, every time you feel a manifestation, he's revealing his face to his children. And so there was this invitation. And I remember um, even before I, I went off to Bethel for more ministry school, I, I I've told you guys this before, where I was valet parking at night and during the day everyone else was busy. So I I just developed my friendship with God because I was like, I I don't got any other friends around. Friends with Jesus, here we go. And that was such a rich season where sometimes the Lord will strip you of different areas that you're dependent on in order to nurture something else that's better for you. That's all you can do is to be one that's given your life and yielded. And he's like, let's work with this. This might be uncomfortable for a season, but it's for your good and I'm going to nurture something for your eternal benefit. And so I, I leaned into that rather than pulling back. Yeah. I leaned into it. Do you know that one of the greatest, I love this verse, one of the greatest verses I believe in Scripture is, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Yeah. Because in that promise, there, there is this leaning in and coming closer to the Lord. And the promise is that he will meet you there. He's not going to leave you high and dry. And some of you just need to hear that in your own life. Draw near to God, for he will draw near to you. Come close to God, for he will come close to you. And during that time, um, journaling became a life source to me. Journaling is a form of prayer for, for me. I, I can focus so much better when I get my, my, my thoughts and prayers down on paper, or if I type it, something that's just kind of, Moving through me, and so I started developing listening prayer where I would write a question. Speaking of being a disciple, where you're inquisitive, I would write questions to the Lord, and that I would just sit in silence and just wait for Him to speak. And then I'd start to learn His voice as I'd start to write His response to, to, to me Tommy, this is how I feel about you, this, this is what I see in you that I love and what I delight in, my son. I know these things are scary, but let me tell you how I see you through them. And all of a sudden you start to develop intimacy with the Lord through your prayer life. And as you're, as you're in your car, you start asking the Lord to speak and you wait on him and you just listen in. This is, this is a, a daily development of intimacy with the Lord. And I remember one time I was uh, up in Reading at ministry school and they have a prayer, prayer house up there. I wish... We had a prayer house here one day, guys. One day we'll have a prayer house here. I would go to the prayer chapel and sit on the floor and just be with the Lord. It was like a set apart time to just be with Him where I could focus and concentrate. And I remember for a it doesn't might not sound like a long time, but for a week, which was a long time for me, it felt like God's presence in my life was removed. Really odd because I'm right in the middle of ministry school. I have these awesome worship sets, awesome classes, but I don't feel that nearness to God. And I had grown so used to his presence. Even even the moments where it's like, okay, I don't feel like a tingle. I don't feel anything. But you can become so accustomed to the nearness of God that when it's removed from you, It feels absolutely gutting. (laughs) I didn't know what to do with myself. And during that week, there was a catastrophe in Japan. There was a tsunami that took place, um, 2011 or 12, around there. And I remember being very moved by it, but I didn't know how to pray. I was like, God, I don't even know how to pray for this thing. I don't have your presence. I don't have, I can't hear your voice. Everything was removed for a week. I was like, what are you doing? What's going on? Is there sin in my life? <laughs> like, what's happening? And I went where I knew where to go, the prayer chapel. And I just start writing down like, God, this is, this is how I feel about this. Where are you? I want to pray for Japan. Is your heart moved? What is it? You know, yeah, you're doing your best to engage with God. And all of a sudden, there, there, there came this flooding back of his presence. And he's like, That was that was a little uncomfortable for a second, wasn't it? But I wanted to show you what you're so accustomed to in the daily understanding and working of my spirit in your life, son. And all of a sudden that that prayer started coming back like a river, where I started being able to write down like very strategic things. He literally gave clear prayer points. I was like, God's really good at giving prayer points. He gave me clear prayer points. And I started writing, I'll pray for this and I'll pray for this. And I wrote it all out. And then I look up out the prayer window and, and there's all these flags of the nations, but the one right in front of me was, was the Japanese flag. I was like, oh, that's cool. God's on it. He's right there. He placed me right here. And I look back down at my journal and there's a series of water droplets right on top of where I was writing for Japan. Japan. And I'm looking around, is there a sprinkler system that's dripping? Someone like squirting a water bottle? What's going on around here? But I I nudged my friend that I was with and I said, hey, look at this, look at this. And and these droplets were right over where I had been interceding for Japan. And I knew that the Lord was like, this has moved me to tears, son. And I'm answering your prayers. This moves me to tears, and I'm answering your prayers. And sometimes we don't know, we don't know yeah. what, what our prayers are doing from that place of intimacy with the Lord. That, but there's these little moments where God will speak and move, where if I, if I get too critical, I'm thinking, oh, no, it's the sprinkler system. Oh, no, that's something else. Yeah. But if I, come, if I come into what actually was happening, I was like, that was absolutely a little miracle of the Lord. Where he's moving and showing a little sign yeah. of his nearness to me and comes rushing back that that presence of the lord that that fills us and i think what i'm getting at when it comes to the presence of god that there is absolutely nothing like developing intimacy with the lord himself yeah. you form a history with god in the day today yeah. there's moments that i look back that might feel dry and I look back to the moments that in God's faithfulness, he shows up time and time again when I simply yield to him in surrender and let him move again. It's an intimacy with Jesus that character's formed, that our emotions are steady, that our habits and life rhythms take new priority, our relationships shift, who we spend time with and how those relationships look There is an intentionality again in our assignments, and our ministry looks different. Spending time in intimacy with Jesus may not get you a stage, it may not get you a platform or fame, but it is the real transformation that takes place. You don't do it for your ministry success, you do it for your own life to be developed. Just spending time with Jesus molds you day by day. And you look back over time and you see the work that he's done just by spending time with him. If you think about, um, I love the illustration of bamboo. Behind my house, we got some tall bamboo. And I I think about this where about five years or so, all that's taking place is a root system in the bamboo. Five years. And then in a matter of weeks, it can shoot up to 80 feet. Even though there is a long process, there is a hidden growth that takes place in intimacy. As disciples of Jesus, the influence and the noise of the world continues to dim as as we crave him more and more. The influence of the world becomes less appealing. The lies that crowd around your thinking are flushed and truth becomes formed within you and brings freedom. As a disciple, the peace that was promised with God really becomes your everyday reality because the Prince of Peace is the one that you've given permission to take first place time and time again, every single day. Prince of Peace, Jesus, take the first place again. Where, where, I, where have I put anything in place of you? Where have I been led astray in, in busyness, in, in, in my priority list? to think that anything is more important than the king of glory. And soon enough, you're going to start talking like him. You're going to have a noticeable authority arise within you. You're going to care less about the opinions of others. You're going to be filled with compassion because you know the heartbeat of Jesus. And there will be a grace of heaven that begins to fill every situation and every relationship. How does it happen? It's through surrender. How does this happen? It's through surrender in your life. We let go of our clenched fists. The things that we you can have have it all, God. You can you can have this thing. This thing's nice. You can have this. That's causing me trouble. You can have it all. I think God. Okay, one finger at a time. One finger. Okay, I'll let go of this too. I surrender. It's hard, isn't it? It can be hard to surrender, but it's key. Surrender is key in being transformed as a disciple. As a follower, we are meant to order our lives differently. If you want to live naturally supernatural, we have to look at his lifestyle and see how Jesus' lifestyle and rhythms can be looked upon and ignited in our lives. What are these rhythms? In Scripture, we find all sorts of ways to engage with God, spiritual exercises that are molded in the lifestyle of Jesus. And when we practice these things, it is like a Tesla being parked in a charging station. You need it. You can't run without it you got to be charged up when we are practicing intentionally. Philippians 4, 9. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me, everything that you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. I think there's a song about that. We should sing that sometime. We sang it today. We sang it today. To be a disciple, it cannot be from a distance. It can't just be through knowledge. And it can't be microwaved. A.W. Tozer said, God is a person, and as such, can be cultivated as any person can. It is inherent in personality to be able to know another personality, but full knowledge of one's personality by another cannot be achieved by one encounter. Therefore, discipleship is friendship with Jesus. And though we love the power encounters, and those will change you, we sustain and we build our, fr- our relationship with God through daily devotion and through friendship. The lifestyle that we are craving always cam- comes back to simple devotion to Jesus. Spending time with him, friendship. And how can I know someone without making time to sit down with them? We cultivate our friendship with God by spending time with him. As disciples, we are those who practice the presence of God. There's there's a man named Brother Lawrence that wrote a book, Practicing the Presence of God. And I remember, I used to think, I was like, that's kind of a dry title. Let Let me practice the presence of God. It doesn't feel very appealing. But if we actually look at what practice is, it's a deliberate act of engagement with an activity. There's purpose in it for growth, maturity, enjoyment, strengthening, and even mastering something in an activity. And so when we're practicing the presence of God, there is an intentional act of engaging with Jesus to strengthen that relationship, to master the ability to live submitted and surrendered to his presence and to his lead. And so we have to know that there are no shortcuts of intimacy with God your relationship with him will grow and develop as you give real time and real space to him. And as wonderful as those God moments and power encounters are, we cannot build our intimacy on those moments alone. Though you are going about your life and you're like, oh, that's nice. That license plate really spoke to me as I was driving. That's (laughs) nice. That billboard was shouting at me and the Lord spoke to me. A little God wink throughout my day. That's nice. I ran into that person at Erewhon, and I had a nice encounter with them. God is so good. He is speaking through those moments. Probably. (laughs) Probably. He's speaking. He's speaking in all sorts of ways. But it does not replace inviting someone into your house and having a conversation with them. Have you discovered that he is your hiding place? Have you discovered what it looks like to crave his presence and to stay there? Have you discovered that it's better to stay in his presence for one day than a thousand elsewhere? Have you discovered what it looks like to abide in the wine cellar of his love? He is a God who is waiting patiently for you. He is standing at the door and knocking. He is here. He is waiting. He's not leaving. And he really, really wants to be with you. And a lot of people get stirred by this and they don't actually know what to do with it. And they think, oh, pastor's right. I need to pray more. He's right. And so the next three days you're, you know, doodling in your journal and you take a nice Instagram photo of it and, and you have a little prayer life for a few days, but then it wears off. It wears off, it fades. And then I see people that swing the opposite direction, and they're like, you know, God goes with me everywhere. I, I don't need to have an intentional time with him where I'm reading the word and I'm, I'm spending this time. I, I can go rock climbing with Jesus. I can go canoeing with Jesus. I can go to the mall with Jesus. Yes, you can. In fact, please do, because you are practicing the presence of Jesus. But again, nothing replaces time that's intentional with the Lord. My friend Marcus posted yesterday, and he said, don't say God's been silent when your Bible's been closed. (laughs) Don't say that God's been silent to you if your Bible's been closed, okay? He spoke and he still is speaking. It's called scripture. Come on. Dallas Willard says, grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And there's something that we've been taught in this charismatic environment recently a misunderstanding and an immaturity of what striving is. And so we think we don't have to do anything and that we just kick back and we soak for a few minutes and that God's going to do all the rest. Did you know that grace actually requires effort? It might feel like it's religious effort, but that's an immature perspective. The New Testament is actually packed full of new habits and some effort. Run the race. Training, study to show yourself approved. Physical training like an athlete for a spiritual training within you. Do you think athletes don't sweat? There's a little bit of effort. There's a little bit of stretching. There's a little bit of pick up the pace. Open your Bibles. Mark out on your calendar a little bit of time for your training. You're not going to gain muscle by not going to the gym. Christian creatine. Christian creatine, creatine, he says. Creatine for Christ. Did you also know that you can do a lot of good for Jesus without spending time with him? You can do a lot of good things for Jesus without spending time with him. You can heal the sick. You can have a ministry of healing the sick. You can lead people to salvation. You can have powerful testimonies. You can speak powerfully to an audience. But eventually that's going to betray you. If if you're just doing it from anointing or your natural abilities, without the maturity, you're going to fall. And that's why we have to have those roots formed in our relationship of intimacy. I am tired. Tired. Tired of seeing pastors fail and fall. We've seen it more than enough. We have to see people in ministry that are rooted in intimacy with God. So you're not like a house that's being blown over with the next temptation. Are we in any way putting ministry and what we're doing above our own intimacy with God? And I have to remind myself that every single day. Because there's an endless checklist of people to to check in on, people to meet up with, whatever it is. But are we being intentional with the one that loved us first, our first love? Are we being intentional with him in our day-to-day? I long for a generation to be rich in both power and character. And these things are rooting and developing within us only through time with Jesus. And so I want to end with just a couple practicals. That's very good, Moses. <laughs> Apple Music's really trying to shazam what we're talking about here. It's good. Some practicals. I, I want to just give a few things, a few pointers. We're going to get into this in the, in the coming weeks. But I want to challenge us to have a fixed time and place to meet with Jesus. You can go rock climbing with him. You can go to the mall with him. Also have a fixed time and place with Jesus. I want to challenge us to have no less than 15 minutes with him. You can spend, you don't have to spend an hour, but long enough for a real friendship, where it's like if someone, if someone came to your door and you invited them in and you had a conversation with Him, with him or her, how long would you feel like you had a quality conversation? Ask Holy Spirit where he wants to engage and meet with you. And I recommend a good space where you can sit in silence, where you're not going to be distracted, where you can actually put your phone away or your computer away and just fully engage. And I, I know that's not possible for everyone in every situation, but as much as you can to give that, that, that space for God in your life. Moments of silence. And finally, this, this has been so helpful for me. It's the pausing in his presence and being aware of his presence. He's here. He's with us. You can stop in the middle of your workday at your desk when you've got a lineup of emails and you've got someone shouting or breathing down your neck and just pause in his presence. You're here, God. Let me be aware of you. We start cultivating the practice of his presence and abiding with him and nurturing that day by day. It's intimacy with our king. Intimacy with our king. All right, we're gonna transition. What time are we at? Oh, it's late. It's late. You know, in, I gotta just say, well, first of all, I opened a bottle of wine back there because we were gonna do communion. And uh, that goes bad in what, four, three, four days? So should we just do communion? No, just kidding. Um, I think we will save communion for next time. But, but here, here's what I want to end with. Actually, let's go ahead and stand up, would you? You know, we, we went a little long today, um, partly because in worship, we just, we went for it. That's okay. I'd much rather be a church that's, not trying to compare to other churches. I want to be a church that is okay to go over the time limit for the sake of Jesus. I, kn- I, know, I know that other churches sometimes have schedules, and we have kids ministry, and it's, it, it's something to be aware of, and, and I, I don't want to take that lightly, but we, we can do that here. We can do that here where we can sit in that place of his presence. We're just letting, letting him move, have his way. And there's nothing like that. It's, I mean, that's probably better than, than a sermon on intimacy It's just let's get into intimacy and worship, you know? So would you guys go ahead and um, get in a receiving posture, close your eyes. Jesus, it's my desire that I wouldn't just preach about intimacy as a, as a way to, to just try to convict or, or, or push people into a place of intimacy with you. We, we, we long for it, God. We long to engage with you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, this is a drawing that takes place the drawing of your sons and daughters into rich relationship with you. And so we ask even right now that that, that these areas that we've been talking through and, and preaching through would actually be breathed on by your very spirit. We long to know you more, to walk with you, to rise in the morning and say good morning, to to go to bed and be dwelling upon who you are and how you impact our lives. So we ask, Holy Spirit, even right now, would you do that rich work within us, a deepening intimacy with our God, and we give ourselves to you once again. Jesus, have your way. Amen.